0: You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind.
1: I got a bad feeling about
0: this. I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself questions.
2: question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
1: Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Clansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, Roma, The Favorite, and Vice. I guess we should probably just run through these and you guys can just tell me what you thought, really. I... Maybe this is a little pessimistic of me, but I thought there were just a lot of pretty good movies this year because none of these really blew me away. What do you guys think of A Star is Born?
0: Probably the best <laughs> version.
1: The, the best version.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, depends. Judy Garland is iconic, but you know, it's got the weird uh things with the photos and the uh because it was the, it restored to it. Very intense performances, you know, personal. But it also has a lot of uh, dead weight, so I don't know. It it was it was good.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I was really impressed by Bradley Cooper. I thought really inhabited that character, although reminded me of Eddie Vedder like the entire time. <laughs> but but it was very yes. understated and subtle, and I really appreciated it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good movie. Um, yeah, it's one, it seems to be one of those that you know four or five months ago seemed like oh that that's probably going to be the front runner, and as has happened in the last. You know, a few years, uh, it seemed to have lost some steam coming into the award season, like three billboards in La La Land that seemed pretty, uh, pretty much as locks early on. And then by the time we got to the actual Oscars, uh, they faded. So we'll see.
1: That's a really good point. It feels like that's happened several years in a row, where everyone sort of has their guess as to who the frontrunner is, and then that completely flips, and by the time you get to the actual Oscars, it seems like it has no chance, and I guess you're referring, of course, then to Roma, which, at least at the odd sites, is the overwhelming favorite now, a Netflix film of all things.
2: There have only been uh, 11 pictures before this nominated for uh, Best Picture that are that are foreign language or mostly foreign language uh, and one of those includes Babel, which is you know many languages obviously so it'll be interesting to see if this is the one that, that finally breaks through i mean in Kreisen we had bergman films and that kind of stuff but i mean it seems like the front runner but it's also a big a big step for the academy mm-hmm. to uh so we'll see it'll be interesting
1: yeah, uh, there's it's it's a kind of a gutsy choice in a lot of ways when you think about it, and certainly when you've seen the film. Uh, I certainly admired the artistry behind it. I didn't find it particularly enjoyable, exactly. It's not the right word, you know, and that's okay. Art doesn't always have to be purely enjoyable, uh, even if we sometimes want it to be. Certainly, let's say slow, very slow, challenging film, uh, but the Academy apparently wants to reward that.
2: We'll see. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah it, it's just funny seeing it alongside something like Black Panther or Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I mean... The, the, the types of, we, we've talked about this, sometimes the, the Best Picture nominees, and I feel like this is becoming the norm, it's almost like they go out of their way to nominate like a really wide array to show all the things that film is capable of, because some of these films are like polar opposites.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they're going out of their way or it's just a better process now that there's over five nominees now, up to ten, so...
1: So let's say Roma's probably going to win, what would what would be each of your choices personally? I guess start with Mark. Green Book. You like Green Book? Okay. All right.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm just one of those guys who likes everything spelled out for him and just <laughs> likes the most obvious thing of everything. And I guess Green Book is that. I don't know. To me, it was just an old-fashioned entertaining movie. Yeah.
1: So I like that choice for you because that was my guess. It's very on-brand for Mark F. Uh, I know you're usually the one who says, look, I don't, I don't necessarily care about whether or not saying something bigger. I like a well-made, enjoyable film. That's certainly true of films like Jaws. I
0: thought it, I thought it said a lot bigger.
1: Yeah, well, it, they, most of them do, right? right? But sometimes some of them are more, let's say... uh oh, superficially challenging looking, right? Like like, like being foreign language, like being black and white, like being slow cinema. that That's a little more overt. It's not as, uh, as you say, obvious. People call Green Book obvious or pat or whatever uh, because it's not trying to do anything particularly cagey, even there, though there can be a lot of depth there. But I like that choice for you a lot. That really feels like a mark F choice.
2: I, I'd probably vote for Star is Born of those.
1: I, I do appreciate how good the music was in A Star is Born. I, I It was pretty darn impressive, and obviously probably a shoo-in for original song, I would say. I admit, when, you know, she comes out there and starts hitting those notes that first time, I got goosebumps.
2: Yeah, and the favorite I really like is, you know, a really dark, weird movie, but, you know, it's not the kind of movie that Oscar voters on large are going to vote for, but, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, if I had to vote, I'd probably vote for Star is Born. Yeah,
1: the favorite, not the favorite here, unfortunately. And Bohemian Rhapsody just seems so overshadowed. Let's talk a little bit about Black Panther. Some people a little surprised that it was nominated. You know, people always get very excited uh, in both directions when a blockbuster film gets nominated. They get mad every year when a blockbuster film isn't nominated. And then when it is, other people get mad because they think it's just sort of some kind of token nomination or something. I, I thought it was a pretty, pretty darn good film. I don't know if it was breaking any new ground that wasn't cultural, of course. Uh, the cultural ground is significant, obviously. I don't know. What do you think about it? Do you think it's a little out of place? Do you think it's there for— No? no? You, think it, you think it belongs?
0: Well, it was it was worth it's it won the best nominees for best film, so you know, it's a typical Mark F. Perfect Mark F.
1: (laughs) Because it's fun. It's it's an example of what cinema can do. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's breaking any new ground, even in the superhero genre, for that matter. People have pointed out that it is sort of a very standard story. But we've been talking about this on the forums a little lately. I'm kind of becoming a bigger advocate of formula done really well and not needing it to be breaking new ground so much as just doing something really, really well. And I think Black Panther is a pretty good example of that.
0: Yes, it is. And
1: something that is maybe breaking a little more ground, Black Klansman, which I actually think I might have enjoyed more than any of the Best Picture nominees. I found it really entertaining, which is not that weird for a Spike Lee film. You know, he makes some very enjoyable films, always a little off kilter. And I remember thinking the whole time some of the kind of, you know, Trump allusions. They felt a little on the nose. I thought he was kind of going out of his way to make the parallels very explicit. And then at the end of the film, he literally splices in news footage anyway. So I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I guess that was the whole idea. But I found it really entertaining and, like, very darkly funny, too.
0: You know, it was based... It's not really based on the uh, 60s movie, Black Pan- uh, Black Klansman. Uh, there was a really low-budget 60s movie about a real guy who went in... And he was a very light-skinned black person who did join the Klan, and they didn't know he was black. It was so low-budget, though, it's, it's not really any good. But interesting in the way that Spike Lee's movie is because it he covers so many bases and tries to be extremely political. And uh, it, it's pretty much scores in, uh, in all those regards. So uh,
1: Yeah, I, every now and then Spike Lee makes something just really entertaining. I'm one of the bigger fans of He Got Game from back in the day. I really love that film. And uh, this is probably my second favorite Spike Lee film. I know that sacrilege would do the right thing, but for whatever reason, that never struck me as much.
2: Yeah, it's it's a fun one. And uh, Spike's movies aren't always fun. They're not always uh, coherent, but this was both. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like... Yeah, you know, I think "Do the Right Thing" is a masterpiece, and I think it's it's crazy that this is the first one he got nominated for. That it wasn't this, and it wasn't Malcolm X, and wasn't you know any of the other few ones that could have been, but it was this one. But uh, yeah, that's Academy is sometimes slow, often slow. And this was one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably not going to win, but it is. No. I, I didn't know till you said it that that was his only nomination. I just assumed he had yes. one for "Do the Right Thing." Nope. Wow. No. Wow. Yeah, that
2: was that was, and that year it really stuck out. That year, because the year of Do the Right Thing was the year that Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture.
1: Oh, yeah. So the contrast of sort of <laughs> right. the militant race relations stuff versus the feel good, touchy feely, I hate to say kind of Green Book race relations stuff, they, right. the contrast was particularly bad.
2: And, and that's when that's kind of where we are again this year. <laughs> yeah, with, right. With Black Klansman and Green Book, and uh, yeah, here we
1: are. It's funny to look over at Best Director and see McKay and Ciaran. Two wildly different directing efforts, um, and apparently the Academy. It really seems like they're going to give it to Curon.
2: Yeah, for a director, I think so. I mean, I I think it's whether Roman wins Best Picture or not. I think uh, he's definitely going to win Best Director. It would be uh, incredibly, be a huge upset if he doesn't.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I remember even way back in the day when he was just starting to you know break into Hollywood a little when he took over that Harry Potter film, and you know I don't know what I always thought of it on a from a storytelling perspective, but right away I thought this just has a lot more flair than the other films you know this guy is doing something i didn't i'm not going to pretend i foresaw the ridiculous uh, success and the uh, awards he's racked up already but it was obvious really early on that he was bringing something interesting to the table right
2: Mm -hmm. any
1: thoughts on vice i'm not sure what i think of adam mckay yet obviously his films are very political he kind of has an Aaron sorkin thing going on where he takes topics that you're not sure should make for good movies and he turns them into good ones through sheer skill, obviously very flashy editing sometimes, Uh, a little self-effacing like we saw in the big short where he has famous actresses describe the financial crisis. But Vice really just seems like a makeup and acting showcase sometimes.
0: Cliff's Notes version uh, uh, of the story of Dick Cheney covering a long period of time. seeing an evolution, but really not that much of an evolution. Mm -hmm. He's always, you know, looking at... uh, The angle from his perspective of where he's going to get, you know, how it's going to advance him. So, yes, superficial, but it covers it all. If you live through it or you're aware of the history, you understand it. If you didn't, I don't know if you do.
1: One thing that surprises me a little is when I look at the odds, Rami Malek is apparently the big favorite for Bohemian Rhapsody. That really surprises me.
0: First of all, he's he's modestly the favorite. Mm -hmm. Christian Bale is still right there bohemian rhapsody uh was probably my least favorite of the nominees but yeah uh, i like i, li- I like queen a lot i went to see the queen live in 1981 so as far as queen goes i'm a fan I was a fan of the movie but it just seemed too long too repetitious overall he was good it was more of the freddie mercury story would have been a more accurate title mm, yeah and uh But I guess that's supposed to be shorthand now, Bohemian Rhapsody, Freddie Mercury, Story Queen. They're all supposed to be the same, even though they're not. Because I was listening to music religiously at the time, so I knew everybody in that band. They were all co-equal to me. It was only uh, when you got into the 80s and you learned about uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, plight... But it all took on a deeper meaning as far as the Freddie Mercury part.
1: Yeah, and now most people can name Freddie Mercury, and he is Queen to them, and they can't name anyone else in the band. And...
0: Oh man, Brian May, Roger Deacon. <laughs> I mean, but you're... I'm shortchanging uh, the other guy. But uh...
1: well, still, that's, that's two more than most people can name already. Um, you're <laughs> you're, uh, you're certainly right though. Like that, it's it's very uh, Mercury heavy, let's say.
2: Yeah, I was uh, I was disappointed with it overall. I mean, I understand why audiences. Like, it just didn't, uh, it didn't do much for me. It, um, you know, the music's great, of course, because it's Queen and, and his, you know, Freddie Mercury impression is what it winds up being is is you know entertaining to watch but it was a little too uh you know i think everyone worried that it was going to be the the sexuality stuff that that would be shied away from and that i thought they actually did a pretty good job at tackling it was just uh the rest of it was just so kind of routine and and uninteresting and and then if you if you knew any of the kind of band history that you know the kind of Trying to meld everything so that all everything happened the Live Aid concert when everything didn't happen the Live Aid you know just the, those kind of narrative things which are not unusual for biopics but in uh, this one since I think probably because we had waited so long for this movie and heard about it for so long and the director leaving everything it was just kind of when it, the final product was a little meh to me I mean I understand especially if you we a younger person and didn't know Queen at all or, you know, only knew a couple songs, how it would be interesting to get into the music that way. But as a film, I thought it was pretty, uh,
1: pretty average. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in this case, maybe even the second best music themed nominee in the category. Right. Yeah,
2: right. Compared to Star Is Born, I think it's, it's really bad. I mean, comp- just comparing those two, it's, it's clearly to me the, the, the lesser of the two movies but by a lot. I think uh, Malik's won all the awards going up to it, and the and the impression is, uh, especially if you've only seen pieces of it or the trailer, if you're a voter who's only seen you know a little bit of it, pretty impressive impersonation, I would say. I would. I don't know if the performance is all that good. I mean, partially because, yeah, you know the way the the movie, the weaknesses in the movie don't give him a lot to do uh, throughout. You know, he gets he mm-hmm. you know, gets some highs and lows, but not much. Um, not much change, really, uh, despite what the what the band goes through. Yeah. Uh, so, but he's he's definitely the one that, I mean, I didn't think um, Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles was the best performance of the year, but that was the one that you know everyone's like, oh my god, he's just like Ray Charles. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been a Ray Charles fan for you know, ever since I was a kid, and I mean, it's a nice impersonation, but it's not much of a performance to me. But you know,
1: I think it's going to fall in line with those. Yeah, I really like the distinction you're making between performance and impersonation because they're not necessarily the same thing, but sometimes they get treated that way. And you kind of see this on, like, Saturday Night Live, for example. Sometimes someone comes out and does an impression of someone and it's funny, and sometimes it comes out and it's spot on and people laugh because it's so spot on. And it's right. not the same skill, is it? It's like the Dana Carvey versus the Jay Farrow or the Daryl Hammond or whatever. And you're right, it, might, it can be a spot on impersonation of Freddie Mercury, but it's kind of an open question whether or not that's the same thing as a good performance.
2: Yeah, and uh, other performers, uh, other uh, best actors have won for for playing real musicians, not just the Ray Charles, but uh, you know, going all the way back to Cagney and Yankee Doodle Dandy for George M. Cohen and you know, Adrian Brody and Jeffrey Rush for. Uh, Pianist Pianist and Shine, which are, you know, they weren't media superstars, but they were musicians. And then uh, other nominations like Gary Busey for Buddy Holly and more recently, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Johnny Cash. But I'd say it's, as an impersonation, as an impression, it's really, really good. Um, As performance, I think it's flawed and and not all that interesting of the other. I mean, I think Bradley Cooper gives a better performance. Yeah. Um, But uh, if you say, does he look like you know <laughs> and could bradley cooper look like give that good of an impression of somebody i don't know it's it's certainly a different skill set but um I mean, remy malik certainly got into the role and you know was very earnest about it and you know you can tell he really cares about the character and that's part of it too you know these awards are part of you know the kind of work that the actor puts in the the kind of uh interviews they've given over the years over the over the you know the press junkets all and all the uh The awards luncheons, and those things do count as sometimes as much, if not more, than what's actually on the screen and trying to do the impossible thing of look at these five very different performances and say which one is the best, whatever that means.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned putting in the work. Uh, that segues pretty nicely to Christian Bale, one of the other, po- who might upset him. Um, probably a better mix, then, of impersonation and performance from Bale.
2: Uh, I guess. I mean, his was his was interesting in that, I mean, the whole thing about Dick Cheney is he's so incredibly undynamic. Mm-hmm. He, he's incredibly still and measured and does not show emotion. Uh, I mean, certainly in, in his public persona, doesn't. Uh, who knows what he, you know, they speculate somewhat what he is behind the scenes. But I mean, uh, so that's more interesting, I guess, that he had less, I mean, you know, Freddie Mercury is very flamboyant, obviously, especially on stage uh, and in public. And uh, Dick Cheney is just so still, which is to say it's easy. But I mean, this. I mean, I didn't think Kerry Oldman's Churchill last year was best performance, and I thought, like Bale's, it's kind of uh, a lot of prosthetics and a lot, you know. To me, it's it's interesting, but it's not it's not the kind of thing that I go, wow, that was really good. I think I think Malick's gonna win. I, I don't think there's gonna be an upset, and, and if it is, I don't know that it even, would even be Bale. But I think I think, think Malick's just of the four. I think this is the one that is the, the clearest call. I think it's Malik. Pretty easily. Who would be your choice? Uh, I go for Bradley Cooper. I really like Bradley Cooper. Yeah,
1: same. Yeah, I was. I was really impressed. I just think it was. I think it would have been easy to ham it up to make it too big, and he just doesn't at any point. It's really restrained, and I just think that was absolutely the right choice, and it works really well. One thing I do find interesting though about some of these biopic uh, acting nominations, I did, they they're very high wire because you know we've gotten into the point in the last couple decades in particular where when people take on these roles, they're taking on roles of people we have a lot of video footage of, which is, you could say in one sense, that makes it easier, right? Because they can study hundreds of hours of videos, which Christian Bale almost certainly did for Vice. But on the other hand, everyone knows what this person is supposed to be like, right? We all have Dick Cheney's mannerisms and Freddie Mercury's mannerisms in our brains already. So the degree of difficulty there, the challenge is maybe a little higher.
0: Yeah, well, on the phone, we don't have any uh, videos of uh, Van Gogh, but a lot of his movie uh, at Eternity's Gate apparently is taken word for word from the the Stone biography of uh, Van Gogh, because a lot of it actually appeared in uh, Kirk Douglas's Lust for Life, word for word. Some of the, and some of those scenes are word for word, like the one with Baz Mickelson. Baz Mickelson, yeah, he he was a priest in uh, at Arl. Uh, in the uh, Van Gogh, where he's talking to the foe. Mm. And uh, he says the exact same words that the priest in Lust for Life said. And it's based on the Irving Stone book about uh, Van Gogh. So the, it must all be in there. who directed it. Directed, he directed Basquiat, but he directed also a film I like a lot about, the uh, L editor who had a stroke.
1: Oh, uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly?
0: Diving, yes. So it's directed by so Julius novel directed it, and uh, he did Basquiat and the, the Diving Bell and the Butterfly. And uh, he and Defoe work well together. He, of course, it's very moving. It's not as moving as The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, but I don't know what it is, but uh, it's it's close. As far as Best Actress goes, uh, for Best Actress, my, my pick would be that close, I guess.
1: I feel like we've seen this a few times in the last few years where we get kind of like a, a low-budget film, And there's, like, a one big-name actress attached to it, and that's kind of the reason it gets made, and that's the only nomination it gets. The wife is only nominated here, uh, Glenn Close, for best actress, and it looks like she's probably going to win, too.
2: I don't know how much of a favorite she is or isn't, but, I mean, I I think everyone will be okay with her winning because they like her and she's number one, which is maybe why she's going to get votes. That's that's a big one. Um, I mean, it happens. I mean, I think it kind of happened to her – Uh, The last time she was nominated was uh, Albert Nobbs a handful of years ago, and I thought that was a more interesting performance and definitely more different for her and that was either that meryl streep won for iron lady after having not won for 25 years or something but racking up 17 or 27 nominations whatever the hell it is yeah. and i think that was just one of those like well we haven't awarded meryl in so long even though i mean the iron lady is another one of those like dick cheney that i think you know if not that interesting in a performance it's kind of interesting that that you know what meryl streep you know, is and the kind of characters play. And then you say, oh, I know what Margaret Thatcher is. And like, oh, look, there's the two of them combined. Yep. I mean, I, I think the movie was very good. I didn't think the performance was especially strong, but it was an impersonation in there. And that's what they went for. And so they do tend to go for that.
1: They like to reward the work, in other words.
2: I, I get me part of it. Yeah. And, and also just, you know, uh, Melissa McCarthy is the only one of these five who's been nominated before. And she was just nominated for uh, Bridesmaids. Yeah, uh, and all the others are, are first timers. Even though uh, Olivia Coleman has been, you know, working in UK for a long time, just nothing kind of that's high
1: profile where she's kind of at the front of it.
2: Yeah, and then Lady Gaga and uh, Yelitsa Aparicio are, are both first timers.
1: It's an interesting field for sure. Yeah, uh, it's 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 one of the more intriguing categories of the last few years. If you ask me, that's a, that's a, that's that's quite a mix.
2: Yeah, it's the one I I really don't know how it's going to go. I mean the others, the others, I think, are you can pretty much see where they're going to go, and there might be an upset, but this is the one that seems a little more open to me. Either they're going to give Clint Close the kind of the career achievement one because she hasn't won yet, even though this movie isn't anything special, or it's going to be one of these out of left field. That uh, I mean, Lady Gaga could win this. I, so there was some, there was someone on the board the other day who said something about you know, first time actress. And, yeah. And a singer and all, I mean, it's, it's happened before. Sure. Um, Barbara Streisand's first performance, she won an Oscar for, for Funny Girl and Julie Andrew. I mean, they were stage performers, but they were their, these were their first films and they were not as big in media Presence, obviously, is Lady Gaga is when she's coming into this film, but uh, it, it it does happen that your, your first film can be uh, an Oscar winner.
1: When I look at a uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, too, uh, boy, just stacked. I mean, I love these performances. I the, Sam Elliott. He I don't know how many minutes he's on screen. It feels like nine or ten, two plus hour movie, but. Every time he's on screen, it's amazing. There are some moments I don't want to spoil them for anyone, but you probably know the ones I mean, where he basically gets to give you three lines and then a look. You know, yeah. the one in the truck, for example, and it's just devastating. And who doesn't like Sam Elliott? Yeah,
2: he's great, and uh, his first nomination after all these years. Oh my God, um, he should have been nominated a couple of years ago for the heroes that just last year or last track. And I, like there was a good movie, a uh, little indie from a few years ago called a uh, grandma. I thought he was really good and it could have gotten a nomination, but you know, uh, I don't know if the performance is there enough. I mean, there's enough screen time for it to be the one in that crowded field that finally gets him an Oscar, not just a nomination, but he's certainly uh well-liked in the industry and has been around forever
1: yeah and that's enough sometimes eventually to get you in there but I, I don't know how much stock to place in the actual names of the categories but i like to emphasize that best supporting actor right and as much as i love sam Elliott in that film it doesn't rest on him very much. You could remove him from the film, and it's a pretty similar film, I think.
2: It's, it's just weird that he's so much older than Bradley Cooper, but playing his brother.
1: <laughs> right. And they do explain it. Like, the fa- they specifically right. say, like, the father has a kid at, like, 60 or something. It's a different woman, all that. But, but you're right. And they, they reference it several times. In fact, they make jokes about it. But it is jarring, um, because when you add in the fact that Sam Elliott mumbles a little bit, I admit, I didn't really realize they were brothers in the first scene.
2: Yeah. And and as often happens in this category, I mean, uh, Marisha Ali is not really a supporting actor in Green Book. He's a lead, he's really, really. The, the co-lead, but he's here in some which which you know probably gives him an unfair advantage that he's you know half of that movie and he's here in this category. It's like, well, he is that movie, so how can you not vote for him?
1: Yeah, he's on screen seven or eight times as much as as, co- as the co-nominee uh, Sam Elliott, so it doesn't really seem we've talked about this before people sort of game the categories or they they do what they can to try to get as many nominations as possible when they submit
2: yeah and they you know and they probably didn't want uh, Marshal Ali and uh, Vigo to have to compete against each other so they split them up and you know Vigo's been a movie star longer and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's a tactical thing and it probably wins him an Oscar (laughs) yeah
1: it probably does and I'm happy with it because I find him charismatic magnetic I am more interested in a project if he's involved at this point
2: yeah and this will be his. that's his second in three years. Obviously, he won a couple years ago for Moonlight. And uh, that's that's happened a few times before where, you know, people win it, tend to run the category for a little while.
1: Uh, moving on to Best uh, Supporting Actress. What I like about Best Supporting Actress is we have that thing we get sometimes where there's two nominees in the same category uh, for the same film, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz in The Favorite. We talk about this sometimes. We, the question is always, are they going to split the vote, right? Is that the problem? Is it harder for either of them to win I don't know. What, what do you think? What do, what do you think about the idea of nominating two people like that from the same film?
0: No, no problem with it to me. I don't even look at that stuff as far as splitting the vote. Regina King is legitimately uh, good uh, for if Beale Street could talk, but I think episode probably has the least chance, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, uh, in this, the the roles are so even here. It's it's hard. Uh, I I can't see one taking a lot of votes from the other. It's probably pretty even, but I mean, this just happened last year with Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell did win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, I think, uh, where are my numbers? Uh, let's see.
1: Oh yeah. I got to get the stats
2: going, uh, back to 1969, not counting this year, but, but previous years there were, so this, is, this is the 36th time that co-stars have been done. Nom- the acting co-stars have been nominated. Wow. That's
1: way more than I would have thought.
2: Yeah. And, Uh, Out of those previous 35, 18 of them, one of the co-stars has won.
1: Wow. Those are both higher numbers than I would have guessed.
2: Yeah. I mean, the last three times that happened, I mean, just last year with Woody and and Sam Rockwell, and then before that was Jessica Chastain and Olivia Spencer for the help, and Octavia won, and then Amy Adams and Melissa Leo for the fighter, and Melissa Leo won. So, I mean, of late, the trend has been it, it doesn't seem to matter. You know, one of them can definitely pull ahead. I think this year they are going to kind of counsel each other out. And uh, I mean, I thought they were both fun performances. I thought Emma had more to do and she certainly had more of a transformation to go through of the two characters. Um, But her having her and Rachel having both won before, they're the only two of the nominees that have actually won before in that category. um, I think kind of lessens their chances. If one of them had not won yet, you know, it might've, help them edge out the other, but since they're, they're the only two that have actually won before, it's probably going to go to Regina King.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Amy Adams feels a little crowded out in vice maybe. And um, Marina de Tavira and Roma. I, I look, I can appreciate Roma on a lot of levels, but that's not a film that rests on its acting very much.
2: Yeah. It's, it's very naturalistic, but it's not very, uh, you know, there's not a lot for, especially for a lay person look and go, Ooh, look at what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Other actors might, appreciate it and they're certainly the largest voting bloc so they might appreciate that that kind of thing more obviously they did if it it made one of the five nominees but um yeah i think for a layperson it's harder to look at a movie that's that naturalistic and think oh wow she's really doing a lot up there
1: yeah it's kind of what we talked about earlier with you know impersonations or or understated performances i mean there are roles that allow you to do big bombastic noticeable things and even though we all know deep down and would say, no, that's not all acting is. Obviously, subtlety matters and restraint matters. When it comes down to it, roles that give you those opportunities do seem to be a little disproportionately noticed and rewarded. Yeah, give you a little something to do. Yeah.
2: And this is uh, this is Amy Adams' uh, sixth nomination already. Jeez. And she still hasn't won. I mean, she you know she's obviously oh along with she does not get hit by a bus is going or you know <laughs> get caught in a, a scandal uh, like Kevin Spacey is going to be you know get nominated she might be like Meryl Streep. She might be, you know, by the time she's in her sixties, one might be saying she's on her, you know, 27th nomination. It, it's quite possible. But I mean, for me, the, the, work as uh lynn cheney was a little it was a little one note for me i mean it was it was the way it was written in in that script for sure but it was a little too lady Macbeth, just kind of one note over Mm -hmm. and over again for me not that she didn't do fine on that note because she's she's good but it was just not that interesting a performance to me uh Mm -hmm. of, of the of the three that got nominated from that movie it was the least interesting
0: First Vantage is the one thing I would say I was a little disappointed in because I was thought that I thought that was one of the better films of the year, and I, you know, I would try to give it awards, the Sound Awards, if it was up to me. It didn't get nominated for cinematography. I was really upset that it wasn't. And as far as score goes, it was the best score. And uh, it didn't get nominated for that either. Yeah,
1: four technical nominations and nothing else. Um, Even though, you know, when you hear the premise and who's involved, you'd think it'd stand a pretty good chance. I guess from what I hear, though, kind of just a cold film, I guess, which, you know, is appropriate given the subject matter.
0: Well, it's pre- because the character is presented as cold, but what he's he and his family are going through is, is very uh, moving. There are a lot of moving scenes. And uh, Gosling, uh, I thought, was very solid.
1: Best original screenplay, I I guess Roma. I actually don't have a very strong opinion about this one.
2: I kind of like the favorite to win, just because it's such a weird, (laughs) interesting little movie. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the one really interesting to see it uh, uh, pop through would be uh, First Reform for Paul Schrader. Mm, Yeah. And talking about someone who you cannot... Not believe they'd never been nominated before. Paul Schrader had never been nominated before. Jeez. He wrote Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, the Last Temptation of Christ, Bringing Out the Dead, not to mention his own movies like Blue Collar and Affliction, and never got a nomination. That he, that he didn't get nominated for Taxi Driver or Raging Bull. You just look back and go, how is it? Even possible,
1: yeah, yeah. Much
2: less he should have probably won at least one of those, if not both, and for not even be nominated, it's amazing. And first Reformed, it was
1: very. It's. I did you watch that one? No, although I'm literally watching it tonight. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I didn't quite get it under the wire. I was really yeah, I'm really excited.
2: It's really interesting. i mean, I'm, uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised. It didn't. It didn't do better because the subject matters. It's. is tough, and, and if, when you attack a religion in a, a more complicated way, it's not going to get you. Just the way often the tackling tackling race in a complicated way usually doesn't get you Oscar nominations the way that Mm -hmm. something like Green Book does the same thing is true for religion and and First Reformed is a very interesting very well done movie Mm -hmm. um and I mean definitely Schrader's best in a long long time and Ethan Hawke was amazing it's a really interesting movie and for to see him finally get an Oscar and for that good a movie would be really interesting it would be really fun
1: well I am uh, I'm very open to being contradicted by the data on this one or just your own personal anecdotal memory but it really feels like you know you were talking about Amy Adams getting all these nominations and Meryl Streep getting all these nominations you certainly see actors that are just around for decades and they are it's not unusual to have another nomination or another Oscar after 10 years or Something. They're just always there. Seems like that really doesn't happen with screenwriters, which is why the Schrader thing is really interesting to me. It seems like they have these little peaks of, you know, five to ten years, and it's just crazy to me that decades later he's still, you know, getting nominated. Or even though he wasn't nominated before, you know, putting out work that is nomination worthy -worthy work. Yeah, screenwriters don't seem to have that kind of longevity. It seems like they kind of capture the moment, um, and then it kind of passes them by.
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, directors and screenwriters, you know, that kind of. In their prime is usually you know from their twenties and thirties into their forties and maybe into their fifties and for someone like you know Scorsese to be making interesting movies in his seventies or even eastwood uh you know it's that's unusual you know most 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 artists like that have their their kind of their core filmography that's you know their those younger days, that when they're first in the industry, and then learning how to do it, and then really hitting their stride. It's, it's just unusual for any artist like that to be doing that. And actors, it's easier because they don't have to generate the material. You know, if a good mm-hmm. script comes to you when you're right, 70, it's right. a good script. Whereas if you have to write a good script in your 70, that's a
1: whole, yeah, and, that's a whole and, other... Yeah, and, and they're draws that get the movie made regardless, whereas the writer almost never is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point. Very good point. Uh, adapted screenplay, I... I... <sighs> I mean, I guess, Barry Jenkins. I'm actually surprised the Coens were nominated for Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I like that a lot more than other people, but I I got the impression it was just going to be completely ignored.
2: Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, I mean, I'm I'm you know, kind of a, a super fan. Of yeah, but, you're a big Coen Brothers fan. Not yeah. it. But uh, it was a fun one. I'm glad they got, uh, they squeaked through with the nomination and, uh, and the original song, even if the, the movie itself didn't get much else going. But I would think... Barry Jenkins again, even though he just won two years ago for Moonlight, like Ali, uh, is probably the probably going to be the winner here. I mean, it's 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 a good serious uh, attempt, you know, at, at adapting one of those books that people for years had said you cannot adapt this book, it's unadaptable, and that kind of level of difficulty, and then what he achieved with it, even though it didn't break through for picture and director and, and a couple of the other big ones, uh, this is probably how you reward it for for the effort and um you know because i mean bradley cooper you know did co-write that script for star Wars born i mean that could get kind of his if you're not going to vote for him for actor and you're not going to vote for it for picture and he didn't make director that's the way to reward him for you know having such a momentous first first film is to give him a screenplay award so let's see if that kind of a uh, sentiment beats out Barry this really good artistry. Yeah,
1: I yeah. would have given him director well before I gave him screenplay. Uh, I I think it's a pretty darn good movie, but I I don't know if I care for the writing that much. I don't think that's what makes it run. Uh, it's well directed. It's well acted. The music is phenomenal, but that's that's the engine of the movie to me. Let's talk a little bit about cinematography. Uh, Roma is, it feels like sometimes 80% cinematography. Um, It's gorgeous, uh, the the reflections and the sun and all that. Clear favorite here, I guess?
2: Uh, I would think so, but it's going to be really unusual because uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, For one thing, a a director... Directors have been their own cinematographers here and there over the years, and it's certainly become a little more... uh, common i mean S- soderbergh was one of the first to really start doing being credited as as, as editor and and cinematographer and everything um but Koran did it here for cinematography and what's unusual is that the the cinematographers you know are, are who make these nominations for the everyone gets to vote once once these five are are listed but it's the cinematographers and the Academy who who nominate this. And so they think it's good. They think it's good enough that even though it wasn't one of them, yeah, which yeah, is really yeah. the thing that holds back when directors kind of over, you know, when the Coen brothers have been editing their movies for years and have only gotten the one nomination as editor, even though their editing is obviously part of what makes those movies just unbelievable. Um, but they've only gotten one nomination for uh, no country for old men, because I think part of that is the editors don't want to admit that in their guild who aren't them, are taking their glory. You know, they they are they're getting enough color. They're the writers and the directors. Why do they need to do this? So that I mean, that shows how good Roman cinematography is. That the cinematographer said, okay, he's not a cinematographer, quote unquote, but unusual yeah. right away that he's just that the director is the credited cinematographer and got the nomination. And is the favorite, and then that there are two black and white films nominated is so unusual yeah. <laughs> from uh, 1940 to 19. 19- 66, I think, the Oscars had it was split. The cinematography Oscar was split. There was a color award and there was a black and white award. There was there were enough productions being made in both that you could hand out. That we could have five nominees, you could have ten total nominees and still have plenty for the awards. And uh, by 67, they said, okay, black and white had slowed way down in production, so they decided to just make one. You know, five five limit cinematography award that was just cinematography black and white or color and since then there have only been 11 before these two from so for 50 years there were 11 films shot in black and white that got Oscar no- nominations, and the only one to win was Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> so that there are now two in the same year is just like whoa, <laughs> and that and that one of them is the favorite is really really unusual.
1: Yeah. So so it's interesting because you've mentioned in years past that it seemed like uh, writer director combinations got a little more oomph. You know that people appreciated that that sort of singular vision thing. But you're saying with cinematography because of partially because of the way it votes uh, with the specialties. There might actually have the opposite effect.
2: Right, I think I think with the for the specialties, yeah. I think when an actor, well, it also helps that the the actors are the biggest voting brands. So like when an actor becomes a director, like Bradley Cooper, even though he didn't get the award, you know, get the nomination this year, and it's an impressive movie because the actors are the largest pool. It's it's not unusual that you know Mel Gibson or Robert Redford, whoever the actor is who's making the leap to director. Whether they've done great work or not, also gets the the leap to the nomination because the actors are the biggest group, and they all want to be directors, and they all want to be producers, yes. and so that they see one of theirs doing it, they like, ooh, wait. But when it goes the other way, and it's it's this guy who's already an actor who's already a director and a writer and famous producer. And now he wants to be a cinematographer too. And he wants to do the editing. It's like, wait, 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 wait.
1: Well, it's like backwards, <laughs> right? So like right. If, if someone like an actor kind of wants to take the step, quote unquote, up to director, that's aspirational and everyone sort of relates to it. But in this case, it's like the president of the company coming down to the mail room and stealing your job. It's like, what right. do you need this for? Hey, right. leave us alone. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's pretty well put. But
2: yeah, but I think Roma is, so beautifully photographed that even people who don't like the movie he might have fallen asleep 20 minutes into it after they put it on netflix those images are so beautiful it's it's hard not to see how it's going to win so it's going to be uh kind of groundbreaking that (laughs) the director credited as cinematographer gets uh not only nomination but probably going to walk
1: away with it yeah and groundbreaking for a netflix film to possibly win best picture too
2: and netflix i mean and that's that's and going back to that, I mean the the thing that more than it being in Spanish, more than it being you know unknown actors to to most of us, uh, the thing that really might stop. Roma from winning Best Picture is that it has made almost literally no money.
1: Or has only made money in an indirect way that is not released publicly, sure. and we have no idea. Right. Not, not counting
2: Netflix, but just box office. I mean, it had a very, very limited box office run. I and mean, even famously, in these uh, big chains that kind of have these packages where you can watch all the, you know, buy one, one $30 ticket and watch all. Eight of the nominees, they didn't. They're not running it because the, the big chains have said we will we will not show Netflix movies for any reason. They've kind of, that's how they've made their stand to try to against that that part of the industry encroaching. they said no matter what, we're not going to show those. So there's almost literally like no box office for this movie. And the, I mean, there's been this trend for years of these um, movies that have not made money winning best picture. Uh, the the lowest being uh, Hurt Locker, which I think only made like fourteen or fifteen million dollars, yeah, yeah. which is you know what Black Panther made in about the first four hours, <laughs> yeah, maybe the that. first four minutes it was, yeah. it was out. Um, so there's been the kind of this criticism within the industry and from without that you know these movies that almost literally nobody has seen, you know, compared to what what the box office is showing, are, are winning these awards and nobody is seeing them. And there here's one that I mean. More people have seen it than we know because who knows how many people have log- logged on to Netflix to watch it or logged onto to their parents' Netflix account to watch it or whoever you watch it on Netflix. Um, but th- it really has almost zero box office. That's going to be zero box office to show. Uh, it's going to be a tough – that's going to be a tough thing for the industry to say – this is the movie we're elevating as the best movie of the year, you know, the, for all those voters to say this is the one. And is is Roma that good and that enthralling and that um, you know emotionally invested for all those people that even though it's got kind of all those things going against it, they're going to vote for it for best picture. I
1: oh, so you don't think you think it might not win then?
2: No, wow. I I think it'd be really tough for it to win. If it wins, I mean, being the first foreign, I mean, we've had there have been foreign language movies you know nominated over the years not many a handful but even some of them were made by the greatest directors of all you know in the history of cinema didn't even come close to you know being anything like a favorite and if they over open up those boxes like i wanted to do and show us what, how many votes i got you know they would have been minuscule i mean cries of whispers must have gotten a handful of votes that year even though it's one of Bergman's best but for this one to be the one that breaks through and be the first foreign language movie
1: <sighs> yeah well and not just that but you mentioned we, we were just talking about how much of it is the cinematography how much it's about how it was shot and when to, the fact that you so many people are not even seeing it on a big screen really neutralizes the thing that's best about it too potentially i mean you got what so you're gonna have dvd screeners and netflix streams like i know some of these home theater setups are pretty elaborate but it seems like you're not really doing that kind of film justice for the actual people doing the voting
2: yeah although i would say that's true probably most years for the academy voters i would think most of them watch them on their screeners or their their links whatever they get these days
1: Um, this one's really heavily dependent on appreciating that yeah that that photography
2: If you're watching it on your phone, it's probably not very impressive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would not watch this on my phone. It would just look like a little black and white smudge, I think.
2: Wild them in the end, and you got a hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wild them in the end, and you've got a hit.